Hi, I'm Kelly from thespunkycoconut.com, and I apologize for the delay in the podcast. Uh, We moved and have had a lot going on lately, but I'm excited to be recording today with Jenny and Ben from theurbanposer.com. Hi, guys. Hey. Hi. How are you? We're good. Doing great. (laughs) I've asked you that like three times now. (laughs) (laughs) So um, I love your site. I've been a fan for a while now. My good friend Amanda got me into it. I think she found you on Pinterest. Oh, yeah. And uh, I started following you, and I love your photos, and I'm very intrigued by your story and how you got into all of this. Um, how long ago did you start? Like when did everything happen? Um, well, the way we eat now, the paleo kind of grain free thing. Uh, what was that? We went on two years, two years, about two years. Um, now, um, before that we were pretty much vegetarians, uh, vegans. <laughs> so that was a big change for us. That is um, a big change. It was a big change. I think my boys thought that heaven came down to earth and <laughs> set them free. <laughs> they were thrilled. <laughs> so they're me- they're happy to be meat eaters. They are thrilled. <laughs> like, no more quinoa? Thank you, Mom. You know, I can't eat quinoa either. Um, but, um, That's so, funny. Did you say you can't? I can't, no. No. Because, uh, it's a gluten cross reactive and we're still not we're still sorting out um which ones i cross react to so we haven't introduced any grain or grain type seed like quinoa um so yeah they're actually thrilled about it i I not so much but they're very happy do they eat gluten-free grains um the boys no they eat the way we do um identically almost um they, my young son Linus has trouble with grains as well. He, he manifests a lot of symptoms like mine, only much more mild. Um, so we kind of have taken them all off of that too. And we haven't moved back into introducing them yet. So, so what kind of symptoms? Tell us, tell us what happened. Uh, okay. Well, for me, I am, it happened very quickly for, uh, well, this bout of it, how it got as bad as it got happened very quickly over about a week. Like I was just normal doing my normal yoga thing. Now I've had a lot of muscle problems before then that chiropractors couldn't figure out. It was two like, years ago, um, three, probably for the past five, five years. No, I'm further back than that. We've had, we've had weird episodes, various phases of our marriage where you would just have a lot of muscular problem, a lot of structural problem. And, and we could never really figure out what it is, but eventually just sort of went away. Uh, so it would come so- and go. But, yeah, so in retrospect, looking back, we can see it was happening a long, long, long time. But we would have just chalked it up to um, I did too much yoga work. I was overworking, overteaching because I taught like six to eight classes a week, which is full time for yoga teachers. So we just chalked it up to overuse of muscles. The chiropractors did as well. They couldn't figure it out. Um, And then it would just go away and... So we thought, oh, well, I got better. Um, and so we, we did have a couple bouts of it. Um, and then it was fine for a long time. Um, but I still would get adjusted by a chiropractor at least two times a week because I couldn't, wow. hold I couldn't hold an adjustment. So again, we chalked it up to yoga teaching. <laughs> Can't hold an adjustment because yoga teaching is hard on the body. So, um, 
And then uh, two years ago, was it February? It's February 2011. It was during the Super Bowl, which I was working. So I was gone for the entire week. Yeah. I slowly started to just get muscle spasms all over my body. Um, it got worse and worse and worse. I was obviously tired because of it and um, spent most of the time sleeping. Um, my boys discovered, uh, what's that book called? Origami Yoda. Origami Yoda in that time period became obsessed. We have a like bag hundreds, I tell you, hundreds of origami Yoda <laughs> things. I think there are some Pikachus in there, but um, they just became, they didn't know what to do because I just kind of laid around uh, crying a lot. Um, oh. Just like obsessed with yoga or uh, with origami Yoda, not yoga. Um, so, <laughs> so, yeah, so they went. Um, I'd like to see origami yoga. <laughs> Yoga is kind of like origami. I don't know. <laughs> uh, there's a similarity there. Uh, so, yeah, it was um, – it just kind of – it took about a week. But by the time – at the end of that week, it was bad enough that um, I could be – I would go to the chiropractor a lot. And I had a good, great relationship with my chiropractor. They're awesome. Um, but I would come back sometimes four times in a day because I would literally walk out and we would hear a pop. And there would be like a – a big Ben could hear it, an audible pop in my back or in my neck, and that was what we now know was a muscle spasm pulling my my vertebrae out of alignment. Wow! Um, and it was crazy. And I would just take a step and then pop, and we'd be like, "Oh no!" And then there'd just be shooting pain everywhere. And oh. the chiropractor was like, "I don't. I have. You're never out in these areas. I don't understand what's happening." Um, eventually, what happened was in that time period. Because of the pull, it heavily pulled on my psoas muscle and my, you know, was what lifts your leg up and down. Um, oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, so it's kind of what brings your leg up, or uh, it, it attaches into the, like the uh, vertebrae, kind of lower back, and um, actually not the lower back, but I won't get into anatomy here. Uh, so it would basically contract, and it's like a real long muscle. I can't, they can't see what I'm doing, so uh, a real long muscle. And it would contract and shorten and then pull my low back vertebrae out of alignment. That was what that pop was. And it would do it so often that eventually I got an inflamed disc. So we thought I had a herniated disc on top of all this because of how bad it was. So we we went wow. to – he said, no, your discs are fine. I think it's a, a – a, um, Inflamed disc, which, so that was, but it feels like, he said, yeah, that can feel like a herniated disc. I'm like, great. So on top of all of it, I had a inflamed disc and then all these muscle spasms. And, um, it was, um, I would liken the pain probably to my second birth of Linus, um, which was intense enough that I had to just lay there and not speak or barely breathe. Nobody could move. Nobody. It was like the worst part of labor, but like it went the, on like back labor. Uh, not back labor. I, that too, but it wasn't just my back. It was my whole, it was more just that place you get in transition where you're, you're just kind of out of your mind a little bit. Uh, maybe not everybody was that way. In there. <laughs> um, it was, so you just kind of have to lay still or, or you think you're going to go crazy. Um, mm. so I was actually like in labor, you know, you're in labor, real labor, when you can't really talk much, you can't watch TV, you can't distract yourself, that transitional labor. That was what it was like for what, three months? About three I think months. about three months. Oh my uh, gosh. It was, 
It was definitely beyond like my all t- all the time, all the time. Yeah, I I just laid all the time, cried. I couldn't. So for about I would say for about five to six months, I didn't. I hadn't. I hadn't seen any TV. I hadn't read a book. I couldn't. I couldn't look at anything. I just kind of. It was all pain management, and we uh, we went to numerous doctors. Um, we went to six different doctors. That was pretty much the only time she left the house was just to get out of bed and go to a doctor with the hopes that they'd be able to diagnose something and fix it. Um, they didn't. Unfortunately, were they giving you painkillers? The first one gave us painkillers, which didn't touch it. They gave us hydroconin, I think. Yeah. It didn't, it didn't, t- well, it probably took an edge off, but it was enough pain that it didn't matter. Yeah, um, had, the spasms were still happening. He had her on pretty high doses of that um, and also a muscle relaxant, which wasn't helping because we know now it wasn't, it wasn't typical muscle spasms. Yeah, the muscle relaxants um, didn't stop it. That was very weird. And they also had her on too. sleep medication um, because with this kind of pain, she couldn't sleep for more I than never, 15 or 20 minutes at a time. Oh, I, it was, I was sleep deprived. It was, yeah. So she was a little crazy with the I sleep deprivation. Uh, yeah. Guys, <laughs> I don't know. I would like a picture. But... Yeah. The, the eyes were definitely crazy. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Well, that's understandable. Well, when we first started um, trying to figure out what was going on, we, we were, we had already done, always done more natural holistic medicine. And so we went that route to start off with and, and went to, um, you know, our, our natural, our normal natural go-tos for health, um, they weren't helping. We went and visited several, you know, naturopaths that we were connected with and, uh, went through a lot of chiropractic and a lot of other stuff trying to figure out if it was structural or if it was systemic or whatever. Um, and we didn't really come up with any solutions there. So we, you know, the, the pain in the situation had gotten bad enough. We progressed and went ahead and just went with a more, you know, traditional medicine route and went to several doctors, spine doctor, you know, normal medical doctors, all kinds of things, had all kinds of tests run. They didn't come up with anything, but wow. they they tried to treat us. Yeah, my blood test came out pretty much normal. My D was low, but that was expected and yeah. um, not they, unusual. They used basically just traditional pharmaceutical drugs to try to deal with the symptoms um, but it wasn't productive. For the did. most part, they said it was in my head. <clears throat> yeah, most. largely the medical oh. doctors just, this is all in your head. You need to relax. You need to try to breathe more. I had one doctor tell a, me, yeah, that I needed to learn to relax and stretch. And I'm like, I'm a yoga teacher. Yeah, that, <laughs> Do not think I've tried these things. That was money well spent. Yeah. <laughs> all you do is breathe and stretch. I'm yeah. like, I, I, I got that one figured Appreciated out. Appreciated that kind <laughs> Yeah, that was great, Doc. Thank you. Um, I pretty but, much, yeah, teach pain management. When I teach prenatal, pretty much it's a pain management class. So I'm like, I got that one figured out. But So long story short, we um, we eventually, um, we did find one doctor who was a medical doctor, but she was very naturally minded. Um, she was actually a doctor that Jenny had gone to before um, for her normal annual uh, women's wellness stuff. And so we went back to her and she didn't know what was going on, but she was able to at least treat us with some natural Well, she believed pain the pain stuff. level I was in. At that point, yeah, that was, that was a significant point. At that point, no one is even believing that anything was really happening. And that was incredibly frustrating considering what we knew was happening. Wow. And at least doctor, she was able to pretty quickly identify what was going on in Jenny's body, well, at least to validate there's real pain. The here. first thing she said after meeting with us, she said, your body is angry about something you ate. And I was like, what? Ugh. All of this. 
I'm like, that's impossible. And she's so she was the first person to take me off of uh, gluten and dairy. Mm-hmm. Um, she treats fibromyalgia patients and has a 98% success rate. Um, wow. So she just she was looking at it like fibromyalgia, but she didn't she couldn't really put her finger on it. So she was going to treat it that way. And um, uh, yeah, she has a great success. I don't know how, but she's awesome. And um, and so she take a bunch of herbs. I'm sorry, were you going to ask? I was going to just ask real quick, and I think I read on your site, didn't something like this happen to your mom? Yes, my mom has uh, multiple sclerosis. Um, happened at this, uh, ironically, at the same exact age um, in a similar scenario. Um, we had received, we were uh, on our way to the Philippines because we were a missionary family, and so we had received all of the overseas immunizations. Um, and oh, there was... No. That in the past, there was other stuff that suggested she had the potential for an autoimmune disease. Like the same as when I look back, I had muscle spasms and bouts of things, but it hadn't turned into a full-blown issue. All it needed was a trigger, basically. What we understand of it now was it just needed a trigger. Immunizations can trigger it. Yeah. Stress can trigger it. Um, all kind of, and so hers was, I think, was there and present for years before we went uh, over to the Philippines. But I think the amount of immunizations took a hit on her body and the wow. stress of travel. Um, and it, and can, other- it can even be one. I mean, if you're on the verge of, of something like that happening, it can only take I- one. That's what we think happened to me was I, um, about nine months before I actually had the full crash, I had had a, um, a tetanus shot because I had, well, I had cut myself very badly, and they insisted I need a tetanus shot. Oh, boy. I don't do immunizations. I haven't done, like, ah. You know, I was afraid of them because of what happened to my mom, and we had, had already had tons of immunizations for overseas. And yes. so I we don't immunize our kids, and I, they don't understand why I'm going, no, no. And But I'm, you know, my hand sliced open, so I'm kind of out of my mind going, okay, fine. Just yeah. what. Well, what they didn't tell me was that they have now switched to a DPT shot uh, for adults. <sighs> So, in fact, I received a DPT. A tetanus I was okay with. I've done my research. I was like, that's the least I'm worried about. But, no, we had a full DPT. Oh, no. But they didn't. And my mom told me, and uh, she's not even against immunizations. She told me, you know you got a DPT shot. And I'm like, what? Oh, no. You know, that's that the DTP or DTAP is the shot that Ashley nearly died from. Oh, my gosh. Wow. And that was... That was, yeah, that was the shot when she was four months that she had seizures for hours. Oh, my gosh. gosh. She almost died that night. Um, It lasted for, like, four hours, the seizures and the vomiting and everything. And then she had um, uh, swelling in her brain, like, all the myelin sheath got burned off. Uh, Yes. So Uh. she developed, like, her head swelled up overnight, and she... uh, she went, she, her head increased like 25% in size. Oh my gosh. Which is like really bad. That's terrifying. Oh. It was really bad. And, um, I was just so like, like happy that she had survived and grateful that she had survived, but she stopped, she completely stopped developing. And at that point she just basically turned into like a zombie, you know? Oh. Um, but anyway, that's kind of oh my gosh. off topic. <laughs> now, yeah, that that wow. shot is a scary. I yeah, it's a really I, bad shot. It really well, and that's interesting that that's what attack because with MS, that's what MS attacks. It attacks is the myelin sheath, and um, that's oh, what really. Happens. Yeah, that's what MS 
kind of goes after. Um, it eats away at the myelin sheath and, um, Oh my gosh, I can't believe I didn't know that because I'm really good friends with Ilana. Well, that's what I was always told. Maybe that oh. was old information. I don't know. No, um, that's probably true. Yeah, well, and it, it yeah, so it, I, I believe that immunizations played a role in my mom's um, MS. I, I don't think it was the cause. I think that uh, what I know about it now is it's more of a genetic uh, trigger disposition. And her brother actually... Um, has MS, had MS. He died actually last year, I think, of complications with it. Um, So he had MS as well. So our family's kind of, and my grandma, her mom has rheumatoid arthritis and it's kind of like just a autoimmune family. So um, I was, I was just telling Shirley uh, yesterday how Hannah Poling, do you know Hannah Poling? She won her case, her, um, what does she have? Mitochondrial disorder, I think. Or something, yeah. something similar to that, and it was it, that's exactly what they found was that the vaccine had triggered it. Yes, yes. And I think up till now, you know, they've been trying to, you know, well, it doesn't cause it, and I'm like, okay, well, I think that's cause, a very thin line right there. Trigger, I don't know. I'm like, like so it's, yeah, you know, it's kind of semantics to me, like ca- cause, trigger, you know. Because you don't know who's going to trigger, and they don't consider a history of autoimmune conditions a reason to not immunize, um, uh, you know, as well, an example. Just, so. like, just like they don't look for egg allergies, you know, kids that are allergic to eggs, there's egg protein in a lot of vaccines that can cause... Yes. So... Yeah, which causes a trigger. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So there's a lot... There's a lot there, but go, but go on. So, so nine months before this happened, you had had that... I had had that. We also had been through a, a very difficult um, kind of personal, not like together marriage, but uh, some relational issues. Um, so I, there was a lot of stress for months and months and months, and then makes and then um, and then this cut, and then the immunization, and it took a while. Um, you know, nine months or so before. We saw what happened to me, but clearly stuff had happened before that immunization. So it was yeah. obviously my body was was trying to regulate itself, and it's like the immunization just made it not able to regulate itself, and yeah. or my immune system did not regulate. So when I did crash, it didn't fix itself like it did the other times. Um, and what the doctor we're going to now thinks happened at that point was that was when my uh, gluten not and I don't have celiacs, but um, what is it called? Um, gluten sensitivity. They're, they're starting to refer to what I have as gluten sensitivity. Uh, it's not it's not officially a medical term, right? But they're trying to push for it. They're trying to get Some it of the top celiac right. doctors are trying to push for it because... Um, it's it's different definition-wise from gluten intolerance or gluten allergy. It's a, but, it's a hybrid of intolerance and allergy. But how were you tested for celiac? Did you do Interolab? No, I didn't test for celiac. Um, I don't have any... I. There was no, like, I don't have any of the symptoms of celiacs. Like, people, I, I had no digestive problems. I have no, I mean, clearly I have digestive problems. But none of the, the typical things that they would look for. So I wouldn't even be a candidate to test for it. Because it was, it's it's a, you did a thing on it, um, immune, what did you call it's it? It's immune mediated. It's called immune mediated response to gluten. And the reason why they're trying to come out with gluten sensitivity instead of um, allergy or intolerance is because, um People that don't have celiacs but are alert or sensitive to gluten reacting like I do aren't getting helped because yeah. they're being told. Like I have a friend who nearly 
died and they were just basically like, well, they, I think he has celiacs, but they, um, the testing, they were like, well, we can do a blood test, but that's not going to be a hundred percent. No, um, not at all. Said the only way we can do it is to do a biopsy on you. Have you eat a lot of gluten, which he'd already gone off of and felt better. Have you eat a lot of gluten, have your damage to the intestines happen, do a biopsy, let you get better and then give you gluten again. That's and not, that's not the only way to do it. <laughs> Or we find out whether I have soup. Yeah, it's called a gluten challenge. That's, <laughs> yeah, it's the, that's the no, official. no, no, no. So we- everybody <laughs> listening, this is not true. <laughs> Do Intero Lab, Intero-lab.com. But go on. Oh yes, you can do. So when we um we got to the na- the uh, guy that I go to now, the natural doctor I go to now, he wasn't concerned about celiacs at all. Um, uh-huh. Because that's not what was manifesting. But I was clearly reacting to gluten among a wide variety of other things. And you find out that gluten has so many cross-reactives. And, um, in fact, coffee uh, is one of mine. Um, My body thinks it's gluten when I ingest it. So I basically go down hard. And so I can't drink coffee. um, And we don't know about grains because we've never never worked our way back into that yet. So um, So so your doctor... Treated you like fibro... Um... My initial medical doctor treated us like fibromyalgia. And when at the end of a month, um, we didn't really see... We saw a minor change because I wasn't on gluten and dairy. Uh-huh. So I wasn't reacting. I was still having the muscle spasms and still not able to sleep. So she said, I don't... She said, this is not fibromyalgia. I don't know what it is, but this is beyond my scope. So she wanted me to go to a rheumatologist, um, a specific one that she knows. I am and so did- sorry that this happened to you. <laughs> well, we didn't want to go the rheumatology route uh, yet. We knew this natural doctor. We actually knew about him the moment I got sick. Somebody told us about him, but it was one of those things we tucked away because we had had a bad experience yeah. with this, this with a couple different natural doctors already who basically said the same thing the medical doctor said. You're, you know, imagining it. I had one tell me I needed an Epsom salt bath, and I was like, <laughs> I don't think Epsom salt bath is going to touch what's happening to me. So, um, Finally, I, we broke down. Actually, Ben said we are going to this doctor. Um, I've decided this. And so we went, and within minutes, he was the first doctor to ask if anybody at this point had brought up an autoimmune condition. And I was like, no, no one. Wow. No one did. Um, so he did all the tests for, you know, testing my uh, my T, my my TH1 and TH2 levels and all of that and discovered you know, which side of my immune system was fighting me. So on top of the gluten and dairy, I've got all these other foods I can't eat because they cause the part of my immune system that's out of balance to go more out of balance. So, now, now for people like me who don't know as much as you guys know, what's, yeah. what is TH1? What does that mean? I'm going to let Ben uh, give you a, a, a very a kind of a general. I don't really, I understand it, but I can't, I can't explain it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, when we went to him, he ran a bunch of blood tests. To oh, it's check a blood test, okay. The, the antibody response in her body um, to, to try to figure out what was going on. Um, whatever antibody he's looking for, which I don't remember, he said the threshold where an autoimmune condition w- can just trigger, like a permanent one like MS or lupus or something like that, is is 20. And when we tested, we were sitting at 20. He, oh. so he said basically... Any any further disruption of your system at this point could trigger one of those like a lifelong um, like a lifelong permanent oh my condition. gosh because um, basically you have a predisposition to an autoimmune condition yeah. and when your body starts to misfire it escalates until your body actually triggers that recessive gene exactly uh, and so 
Uh, I, I well, what it is that the gluten intolerance combined with a couple of other things going on in her body were escalating that autoimmune thing towards the trigger point, towards the genetic trigger. Okay. Um, we were extremely fortunate to catch it when we did um, before that triggered. Wow. And so the treatment that he put us on basically immediately started moving us back down that escalation towards a normal functioning immune system. Um, that how, doesn't. How did you do that? Okay, well, that's where you get into the TH stuff. Well, basically, the the way, the most basic explanation of the immune system is that um, you have, um, your immune system has what are called TH0 cells, and um, that's a that's an unassigned immune system response, and whenever your body has uh, invaders that, that it, it, your immune system recognizes this is an invading cell and this is not supposed to be here, it will fall into one of two categories, either bacterial or viral, uh, basically, in a nutshell. There's some other factors there. Um, but when that happens, your body, a healthy functioning immune system says, that's bacteria, let's make a TH1, send it on that and kill that. And so oh. that, what happens with an autoimmune condition is, the body recognizes cells that are supposed to be in the body as not supposed to be there. Oh. Uh, begins um, attacking the wrong stuff. And then in that dysfunction, it will um, essentially it will recognize the other side, like one side will recognize the other side as an invading cell and begin attacking itself. And so what that becomes is, that you have a TH1 and a TH2, and you become TH1 dominant or TH2 dominant. And what me what that wow. means is whichever side you genetically fall to, one side of your immune system will overact dramatically, and basically the other side will go dormant. So for some people, their immune systems will... Um, I mean, they'll, some people will never get a virus. They'll never get certain, you know, sicknesses. They'll never, I mean, they just look healthy and they look vibrant and all that. But if they come in contact with bacteria, their immune system is basically unaware of that and indifferent. And they will, and, and so they will constantly suffer from um, bacterial and, and yeast related things, all kinds of things like that. And the alternative that is true. If they're TH dominant on the other side, they'll be strong on one side, but, um, but not, you know, not able to respond in other ways. And so like, well, and like in my case, um, I see it's too dominant. So, which is kind of a double whammy with someone like me with the gluten stuff, because I already have leaky gut, but my body, when a bacteria presents itself or like a parasite or a virus or things like that, my body doesn't, when it's out of balance. Like um, the DTAP. Yeah, well, that would be a trigger for it. Yes, that would be why it would trigger it because of what that is doing in itself. And then my body's like, whoa, I'm confused. I don't know what to do. And so, like, now if I come in, so now I've, if, you know, I get a parasite or I come in with a virus, my body doesn't necessarily go after it the way a healthy body should. It kind of says, oh, nothing's wrong, or it just confuses, or it pushes the other side higher. Um, that it should be the wrong side higher. And so my body, that's when you get the allergy things, your body begins to attack itself. It begins to fight the wrong area and ignore the right area. Oh. And that's what happens. So it's hard for it's hard when you're in mind to heal. Cause I'm trying to heal, you know, a lucky gut that got torn up from, um, gluten, but that means my, my gut's more permeable as it is to bacteria and stuff like that. And then right. I just didn't want to fight that. So I have a better success rate 
than just doing the dietary stuff, like the paleo stuff we do and not just, so I don't eat offending foods to not tear up my gut more, but even more so I'm going to have more long-term success of actually healing if I get my immune system, my TH1 and my TH2 on the same level. And how do you do that? Well, and basically we, that's that's kind of the thing. Um, I have to stay away from certain different herbs foods, and stuff. Different foods. I mean, like, we all know, like, conventional wisdom is, like, if you're sick, you want a lot of vitamin C, you want a lot of antioxidant, you want a lot of echinacea, you want a, various different things. Yeah. But depending on which side of your immune system, um, those those different things affect your immune system differently. Like, antioxidants um, drive your TH1 system, and echinacea and other herbal things drive your TH1. No, antioxidants drive TH2. Uh, sorry, TH2 and TH1. Which is why I can't have a lot of it. If I have too many antioxidants, I'll get muscle spasms. My body will so start attacking Let me, let me explain that. Okay. Um, that's what I'm trying to explain. <laughs> okay. Um, basically, depending on how you um, boost your immune system, um, when you have an autoimmune imbalance, you have one of these TH sides that's dominant. Um, you can actually be boosting the TH1 that's already dominant, aggravating the condition, as opposed to um, as opposed to boosting up your whole immune system. You're actually making your condition worse. This is so, so fascinating. It's really it's an it, we've been actually wanting to write a post on it. But we want to. It's so. It's complex. So, it's so complex. We don't want to get it wrong. <laughs> right. We don't want to get out there and you say stuff. My doctor should just come on. <laughs> wow. So by by doing this blood test, you were able to find out which TH one or two you needed to get yeah. under get under it's control. A- and then and then how do you know? So, so there's like a list. I'm guessing is there like a list of foods and herbs and things for each for, for you know for one and for two. Yeah, foods, it's more, uh, it's actually more like herbs and like potent type things. So like, uh, well, let's take echinacea for instance, because that one, I uh, I take echinacea. He has me on a, a supplement that has echinacea in it. Astrologist echinacea, mataki mushroom, a couple sure, other things. Think, yeah. Those are all stimulators of TH2. I'm sorry, TH1. I'm TH2 dominant, which means it's too high, which means we try to push my TH1 and encourage it and stimulate it so that it will actually fight what I needed to fight and hopefully bring my levels to balance. And starve the TH2. Okay, so by so starving it, like you were saying with the antioxidants. Okay, antioxidants actually... Um, make me more antioxidants fuel my TH two higher. So if I take two, so that's the, um, so you avoid them. I mean, uh, yes, I have yeah. to avoid too much antioxidants. So I have to be really careful with uh, all teas. Uh, uh, caffeine also fuels it. So caffeine is out, and so are a lot of herbal teas because they're so high in antioxidants. But not all antioxidants. Pomegranate antioxidant um, is better for the TH one. So what about chocolate. Um, I don't know. Well, chocolate's got caffeine in it. So in the times that I've eaten a lot of chocolate, I do have trouble. Um, he okayed me on chocolate, but, um, he okay. said in moderation. And then when I didn't obey the uh, moderation, um, <laughs> I, spasm, so, but like oh. my mom, um, with her MS, she can't take echinacea. Um, and, uh, it makes her worse. And so my guess is she's TH1 dominant, um, which is very typical of MS patients. But um, and and what so, kind of doctor can f- figure this out? Like who, um, who does these this test for the TH1 and TH2? What's the name of that book that he does? It's the um, why if my tests why is my thyroid still something? If I I don't there's a list of actual doctors. A lot of doctors do this. Um, I believe. Are you familiar with Chris Kessler? Uh-uh. 
does a lot of the paleo writing. He deals with, he's a naturopath, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, and he does a lot of the writing on these things as well. So he's real similar to my doctor. He's big in the paleo world. Um, I'd have to get, I don't know how maybe you, you could send me a link to him so that with, when I put the podcast up, I can link to his information. Due to the, there's, it's a method of dealing with thyroid because it's ultimately a thyroid issues. Um, it's just not your typical, I'm hypo or hyperthyroid. It's the other thyroid, the, the TH1 and TH2 thyroid. Um, and he's got a list of doctors in this book. Um, they all kind of follow this method and they vary because they all have different, you know, skills. But he's got a list of doctors that do it this way in the book. And uh, it's becoming more and more. You can actually Google TH2, TH1, and there's just endless. I don't. Uh, I'd be curious I'm, to see that book that you're talking about that will have to include that. I can actually send you a link and I can, he actually, my doctor actually does a podcast at the Weston A. Price. He was at the Weston A. Price conference in Dallas and spoke there. And he has actually a podcast where he oh. talks this whole issue. Your doctor? Do- my doctor. Yeah. Oh, that'd be great to put on there too. I should link to that. I'll link that to you and the book that he uses, but you can even just Google it. I don't agree with, from what my doctor says, I don't agree with all of the stuff that I've read online about TH1, like I'm like, well, that's not how it works for me. But it, that's the thing; it's so individual. You, on top of your your TH2 or TH1 pushers, if I eat something that I'm, like I'm I'm allergic to ragweed, and so when ragweed's really high, I can't eat bananas because then Ugh. that base my immune system and then I start to have muscle spasms again. And so, and we found out I can't drink chamomile tea because it's a ragweed. We discovered that the hard way by drinking chamomile tea. Oh my um, gosh unfold all these things where it's just like there's just so many it just kind wow. of is like ball and uh it's like you think you've got it and then you realize oh this is pushing me or um but eventually the goal is if you can stop all that and get all the aggravating foods out is your gut will heal your allergies will go down uh, my gluten allergy according to him will never go away that's that's a genetic uh, trigger in his mind yeah uh, not not i'm not in other words i'm not gluten intolerant because i have gut permeate permeability. I, I have gut permeability because I'm gluten intolerant. Uh-huh. So, um, and for some people it's not that way. Some people can heal from it, but he said, uh, that's probably something you'll never eat again. And, um, grains, I don't know. We have actually not even talked to him about going back to grains because, yeah. um, in, in general people with these kind of autoimmune conditions, he said like, if he has Hashimoto's patients, I have a friend that goes to him who has Hashimoto's. Uh, it's also, it's the same issue only it's a different, oftentimes a different TH, um, imbalance. And he treats it basically the same way as me. It's very similar. And he said, most of the time, Hashimoto's patients do better without grains forever. Uh, for some reason, grains in what they do, I mean, there is reasons. I just don't want to go into it. Um, that they just cause problems for people with these kind of autoimmune issues. And so, wow, we may, may be grain free forever. I don't know. I'm hoping not. Cause I really miss, I miss my grain. <laughs> Not a very good paleo thing to say for a lot of people who. Oh, you're, I'm losing you. Would it, I couldn't hear the last thing you just said. Oh, I. I guess it depends where you lost me. Oh, <laughs> something about paleo. I said, oh, I said it's probably not great for someone doing a paleo blog to say I miss my grains. Oh, <laughs> well, it's honest. Would uh, yeah, I would definitely you know, go back to them if I could, but um. Yeah, I, I uh, shared the same, I think the same video you posted one time, one of the big paleo speakers, I think he's a doctor, he, 
he had you I think you had put up and I shared it the uh, video of him explaining how all grains even the even the gluten free grains yeah. have, oh, right. have yeah he's actually not even paleo but he oh, is okay. he's the kind of he does the same kind of matter of fact I believe he's out of Texas as well he's yeah. in Sugarland Texas and he does the same kind of stuff my doctor does what's his um, name so I can't remember his name right now uh. I had it in my head. I can't remember it either. He was explaining how there's different types of yes. of protein that we don't call gluten in gluten-free yes. grains, which can um, have the same effect on a lot of us. Yeah, so our body sees it as the same gluten we're allergic to. Or yeah. I have a friend who's allergic to the gluten in rice, um, which a lot of people think is a non-allergen, but she can't eat rice. She's severely allergic to it. Um and it's the it's the gluten protein in rice, uh, uh-huh. obviously not the same as as wheat, but uh, but yeah, his um his video was really good. I thought he explained it really well. He also does a lot of videos online where he talks about the th one, th two. Oh really? Uh, thing, yeah. He, oh, I'm gonna have to look for that. We'll have to look up his name and do that. Yeah, and he uh, he just it's just him in his office, and he explains it. He's a uh, he's big on Hashimoto's, curing Hashimoto's, or or um, managing it at least. Uh huh. Um, and he does. He he talks about the th. I think um, I was actually headed towards being. Well, I don't know if I ever would have been diagnosed, but uh, I was talking to a friend of mine last spring uh, who has Hashimoto's, and she came to visit, and she was telling me some of her symptoms, and I almost drove off the road. I was like, Oh, I wow. had. I was like, I had that. I had that. You know, everything she said, I was going. Wow. I had that. I had that. Uh, but no one ever figured that out. And I, I think before it got any worse, I figured out that I was celiac. Right. So I think I kind of headed it off like before it went too far, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I would have, I would have like this vertigo. I would feel like the the room, like the whole room would start spinning and I couldn't breathe and I would feel like I was going to pass out and, a couple of times I thought I was having a heart attack and I had to go to the hospital, like to the emergency room. Cause I thought I was having a heart attack. Oh yeah. So <laughs> that's scary. Yeah. And wow. then, and that was actually before. And then, so then I found out I was celiac. Um, now did you do the blood test or you didn't know no. about, so, so I found out I was celiac because my nature path, who's like a family friend, uh, had me do Interolab, and actually, okay, yeah. actually, she had my kids do it for Zoe do it first. Oh no, you know what? That's not even true. <laughs> she she wanted me to get it. Okay, she gives me like the the printout or whatever that has some symptoms of celiac disease and the information to order your order your kit. And I take it home, and I and I'm like, I think this is Zoe. <laughs> so right. I have. <laughs> So I had Zoe, yeah, it's not me. So I had Zoe tested first and, and then when, when she was diagnosed intolerant, I thought it was, then I pointed the blame at my husband. I was so in denial, just denial, denial, denial. I, I was like, well, he can't, you know, he can't gain weight. He has trouble gaining weight. I think he's celiac. So then he got the Interolab second and he was intolerant. I'm so I was like, you. yeah, it's still not me. So no, you know, I'm still good. And then I would, I, so I stopped having gluten at home 
but when I would go out every once in a while, my friend and I, who was Ash, my, my daughter, my youngest, well, not my youngest anymore, my middle daughter, Ashley's um, occupational therapist, and I, sometimes after occupational therapy, we'd go across the street to this pizza place, and I would have a piece of pizza, <laughs> and I would just get so sick. So then, uh, so then finally I went ahead and did the, te- the entire lab myself and I'm actually celiac. Wow. Yeah. I think, I don't know if they do, um, I know they might also do the uh, cross reactivity test. I know that Cyrix labs does, and there's a number of labs that do the cross reactive grains as well. Well, not just oh. grains, but the cross reactive foods. I wonder if they do that. It only came out, I think, last year. Mm-hmm. The the technology for the the cross reactives. Oh. It might have been two years ago. We'll have to see. I know that they do like they dairy do and eggs. They yeah. Do the rest. Of the tip. Yeah. I know they do dairy and eggs and some other things, but I'd I'd have to look. I haven't gone on there in forever. Yeah, it would make sense that they would if they're doing those tests already. So, yeah. They're, they're looking um, for the uh, – they do a stool test, which looks for – you said it, Ben. What's that word? Uh, uh, the antibodies. Thank you. Antibodies. Yeah. yeah. They do that, and then they also do the genetic test, which is just a you know yes. a swab in your cheek. Right. Uh, so they, they do both of those. and But we did this. I mean, this was – eight years ago that we started using Interlab and back then they didn't have as many things to test for as they do now. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, uh, we've talked about having our boys, uh, test. We already been is clearly sensitive to gluten, whether it's a sensitive allergy or intolerance. I don't know, but he clearly has issues. with. Yeah, gluten. My experience was similar to yours. We just went off of it because, um, he, you know, our doctor took us off of everything and put her on a bunch of supplements and got her started. And he didn't want she, me to be alone. <laughs> she immediately started turning around. And yeah, I was kind of faced with this. Okay, so now is are all four of us going to eat different meals and we're going to prepare all this and have this weird split lifestyle and all that? And that, I just couldn't see that working in our family dynamic. And so I just said, you know what, we're all going to do this together. Yeah, exactly. We'll see how it goes. And I love and, that post that you did, Ben. Thank you. Oh, thanks. <laughs> Yeah. And so, yeah, basically, like I said in that, I, I mean, I, I didn't really think it was me. I was sort of in denial myself about it. <laughs> um, but I was, you know, I started feeling a lot better and I started losing weight and started having all these health things go away. But, you know, I didn't want to believe that. And so I would still go like on the weekends with friends and stuff and do eat like I would normally, like I used to eat and I would feel terrible. And it took me, a, you know, a while to admit a couple it. times to admit it. But, yeah. Yeah. So, was undeniable and so I realized you know what I'm, I'm just as bad you know I just I didn't have the big crash but I've got I've got so many of the similar issues I need to I need to straighten up and get right yeah. and so yeah I mean that's kind of the same way I came to you know the way that I eat now and and in honest in all honesty even in spite of the fact that all of this is limitation and it's difficult and all that I at least feel blessed that we're able to eat a similar diet you know like I don't yeah. have a, I don't have opposing allergies. If I had the opposite oh. allergies from her and we were having to try to navigate that, that would be horrible. Right. So at least, I mean, in, in a lot of ways, it's a, at least a blessing that they're still, that yeah. we're still at least on the same page. I think my right. prayers on a regular basis are, Lord, do not let us become allergic to nuts and eggs. Please. <laughs> Me right. too. Me too. <laughs> family maintain the same health. <laughs> my sister-in-law. Um, or Ben's sister, her kids have opposing allergies. And, um, uh, I have another friend who has that too. We're like, 
one kid is allergic to gluten, um, but the other uh, and eggs and a couple and dairy. And then the other girl is severely allergic to peanuts. And but they'll just like she's like, I have no food. I don't know what to make in my house. And I'm like, one one child can't eat what the other one is eating. Yes. And she's like, but you know, and how do you deal with that with little ones? You know, just grabbing each other's food and I want that. And um, it's just hard. So we don't have that. And I'm thrilled. Um, And how old are your boys? Uh, 13 and 11. Yeah. They're up there. They're getting old. <laughs> they are. They're, they're ready to go out on their own. We're going to kick them out pretty soon. <laughs> Start in your keep, kid. And they're adjusting pretty well. I mean, they're used to eating weird foods because we would do all these weird cleanses. And they're happy to have meat. <laughs> um, they are happy for no weird tabbouleh recipes and stuff like that. We were always pretty adventurous with our food. That was kind of our culture. Uh-huh. Um, and, and actually, that kind of goes to what you were saying about why we even started or why Jenny started the blog. Um, we were always adventurous. Food has always been our, our thing. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Jenny was baking, uh, like catering and baking and doing all kinds of crazy stuff long before any of this ever happened. Um, and so... At first, it seemed like we lost that, and the blog, in a lot of ways, started because um, she just needed an outlet. I needed, she needed adventure. She needed some way to to not lose that part of her identity since yes. everything kept away, and also to try to find some way to cope with the fact that we couldn't eat anything like we used to eat. Yes. And so she sort of threw herself into the blog with what little energy she had just to try to manage our life as it was unfolding. And yes. our boys, thankfully, are are old enough and mature enough to adapt to that. And it took them a little while. It took about three months before they were happy children. But after three months, their taste changed completely. Yeah. Um, it was ridiculously weird. And they started liking everything. I yeah. don't think there's anything they don't like. I now. think they just finally sort of surrendered to the whole process and realized this is kind of how life is going to be. So let's let's make the best out of it. And and we also tried to make that transition make easier for them and make it fun. Yeah, you know, so that was. Well, I don't you know, think that they're feeling too too deprived with the recipes you guys are making. I don't <laughs> think anybody would feel deprived eating what you eat. I think for them the hardest part is just yeah when they're at somebody else's house and yes. they've even. Got- Point. But see, they've gotten to the point, okay, well, one of them, my oldest will deny any pain or discomfort at all. <laughs> no, pizza makes me feel awesome. So, <laughs> I mean, you do at 13, you deny reality. But my youngest one, he's like, he he's upset about it, but he already, he knows how he feels. And he feels so significantly bad that he makes the choices himself. We don't even have to have rules on food with him. He simply won't eat it. He won't eat anything with corn syrup because... It just makes him sick, horribly sick, stomach swelling, and he won't eat any gluten. He won't eat. He just makes good choices for himself. That's because awesome. He knew he didn't know that he could. He's always been a whiny kid, and he always had a swollen stomach, and uh, and he was always just kind of moody. And I guess we didn't realize that he just never felt good. <laughs> so yeah, when he realized what it meant to feel good, he was like, "I'm gonna, I, I want that, but I'm gonna do the right thing because I want to feel good." And well, that. That was Zoe, my my oldest. She's ten now, but when when she was between one and two years old, she didn't gain weight, didn't grow. She looked terrible. She got more and more behavior problems. Like by the time she was two, she was I, I thought she was possessed. I thought this kid 
It, it was terrible. I mean, she would claw my face. She would run into the street. She was just oh. nasty, like terrible. And and now I know that she was. She couldn't tell me how she felt. She was feeling horrible and just acting terribly. And as soon as we took away the gluten, it, it was like almost overnight. She wasn't in pain anymore. Yeah, like overnight, she became the sweet little child. Yeah. Oh, wow. And, but she still, uh, she wants to be able to have like goat cheese and right. occasionally she, she occasionally she'll do okay with like a hard goat cheese, especially, uh-huh. especially like the raw kind. Yeah. Uh, but, but still like the other day she had like a softer goat cheese and you know, she just, she can't do it. She can't. Yeah. And so we, we had a little talk and, and she, she, just, you know, she doesn't want to get sick. She doesn't want to have she to want to feel that way. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And it tells you how bad they really feel. But yeah. now I know how bad he feels. Cause I'm like, okay, you feel as bad as I do in any way. Yeah. Um, yeah, we've, we've dabbled with the goat cheese. I was cleared to eat some of that, but it seems that I can only tolerate so much. Too before I and I don't know why the softer would be more of a problem for Zoe than the harder one, but um, but we, we yeah, really it must have something to do with the aging process. Oh yeah, yeah. How long it's aged, and I sure. don't know how that affects the casein, though. But oh, that reminds me, I was going to ask you since you were talking about healing your leaky gut. Do you do like a lot of probiotics, enzymes, culture, mm-hmm. culture? That's the other uh, uh, interesting thing is um, when you're TH and TH2 and TH1 are out of balance, like mine in the severe way they were. Probiotics can um, push. I've done a lot of reading on the internet, and the internet, all the the study or all the things say um, probiotics will make your TH1 and TH2 cells be able to regulate. And then I finally came across, my doctor says this is not the case. So um, I finally found one that said, some studies have been suggesting this may not be the case with everyone. So what was happening was I was taking loads of probiotics because that was my go-to. Um, and I was getting sicker. And this is before we went to our Dr. Hickey. And when I went to him, he's like, well, we need to take you off of probiotics. Um, that's probably what's pushing you. So what it does huh. is it pushes the whole immune system. So if I'm really high in my TH2 and I push my whole immune system, I just get higher in TH2. Oh, knocking me off my feet, like making me desperately sick. It's probably what uh, had propelled some of that along as well. Um, so he had to take me off and, and basically my gut needed to heal enough that I could even handle, and not my gut, my gut and my levels had to come to a place of balance where when I take probiotics, it doesn't over push one side. On top of that, he, he does the muscle testing uh-huh. um, and he he's real knowledgeable on probiotics and he was like, not everybody can handle any probiotics. Some people are very specific probiotics to their body. So he tested every probiotic he had on me and only one strain worked that my body could handle. And then I take that, but I would have to take that when I was balanced. But if I would come, like, I can't come in contact with gluten. Like I, it's not about eating it for me. I can't even be around it. I can't can't have it in lotion. I can't have it in my makeup. Uh Um, I can be in a house with it now. I used to not be able to, but um, I just got gluten because I was um, helping out a friend and picked up her kid who had eaten um, a granola bar, which had oats in it, but apparently, and she said it had some wheat. She thought, yeah, I had wheat in it too. So 
it got on my clothes. And then I, for the, so the past three weeks, I've been kind of down and, uh, in bed, but, um, oh, man. So, and we hadn't, no, we hadn't been around gluten. I stay away from it, uh, at all costs. And I thought, well, now's a good time to, to try <laughs> and see what will happen. So I, you know, I just held her daughter and it was enough to, uh, throw me over. So it's like, er, so if I, that happens to me and my immune system goes out of whack, my probiotics start to work against me. I'll notice that I'm feeling worse every time I take it and then I have to stop taking them. So it's kind of, for me, it's like a slow healing because probiotics, I need to heal, but I can't take my probiotics all the time because it pushes my immune system. So it's like, we have this like balancing yeah, act. Yeah, it is a balancing act. It's so frustrating to like, yeah. And then we'll go in and I'll have him test and he'll confirm. Yeah. The probiotics, you need to go off of it for a while. And, and what about, uh, what about enzymes? Do they help? Uh, enzymes are good. Yeah. Enzymes help. Um, we don't take a lot of them. Um, but, um, Ashley and I, Ashley and I need, need them so badly. Like she and I do so much better if we take them every meal, you know, just very faithfully, like every meal. And I think enzymes with celiacs is even more important. Uh, yeah. Cause there's other stuff going on there. Um, Oh yeah. Me. It's like, it's, it's not really, it's like, yes, my gut is a problem, but for me, it's like, it just causes an immediate immune response, not in my small intestine. It causes it somewhere else in my body, um, as opposed to my small intestine. So it's interesting the, the different ways that gluten causes these different reactions in people. Um, yeah, I'm just trying to figure out how you can help heal your leaky gut when you can't have probiotics very often. And you know, if enzymes don't help the goal, well, enzymes help. Absolutely. Oh, oh. Um, Oh, um, I think our doctor kind of just goes at it more naturally. He doesn't give us a lot of enzymes. Um, he goes at it more naturally. I know like the GAPS diet, they don't do enzymes either. They're about the body learning. They have like one that they'll let you have. <laughs> oh, I don't know that. They're very, they're not heavy, uh, enzyme driven, uh, in general. Um, and then there's, but, um. Is that because you should be getting enough in your diet? Like just by eating green yeah. smoothies and. I'm guessing that they're wanting you to get it naturally through yeah. your food. Um, they're, yeah. Well, GAPS diet is very not supplementation oriented anyway. Uh, we started on GAPS before I we went to my doctor. And I was like, and I loved GAPS. GAPS was great, but it was making me sick because of the heavy probiotics. Um, among right. other things, some of the foods that they allowed, um, I was just not doing well. Um, and he was like, okay, so he gives me, he does give me supplements. I'd have to take L-glutamine. Um, and different things. So he works to heal my gut. Um, he chooses L-glutamine, and since I respond well to it, uh -huh. we do that. And his thing was, well, I'll fill in the gaps where gaps has gaps. <laughs> <laughs> like that, it just wasn't working for me. So I'm, I love gaps diet, but it um, for someone in my condition at the level I was at, it was like I had to have a lot more healing to take place before I could even do gaps because I couldn't do probiotics and um and now, and so, yeah, I can do part. The goal is to keep my immune system level so you that just I keep balancing take, everything. I, it's, as long as I keep level, I can take probiotics and uh -huh. then the healing takes place. So it, it's a little slower healing, um, because of the probiotic issue with me and not everyone has the probiotic issue. Um, not everyone responds that way. Just my body was. So it, you know, I was, I cried. I did, didn't I? When he said <laughs> I couldn't take probiotics, I cried. I'm like, how am I supposed to ever get better? And he's just like, <laughs> I cried. When he tested me for, I tested bad on coconut milk once. So it, foods shift with me, uh -huh. uh, depending on what's 
on. And I, it was an audible, loud yell. I think people also <laughs> thought to me, like, you're going to die in two weeks. I'm like, not my coconut milk. <laughs> so, but, <laughs> I got milk. <laughs> thank you very much. Uh, I think I can take it now though. I don't yeah. know. Anyway. Wow. So it's, it's what? Uh, it's just kind of been a wild ride with all of that. And uh, definitely. I'd like to describe it though. Um, I don't know if you may not be familiar with the metaphor. Most of the people I <laughs> bring this out, I think everyone's heard this and, and not very many people have, you know, um, if you take a, if you take a pencil and you draw a straight line, a sharp pencil on a, on a piece of paper, you draw a straight line, that paper looks um, very, very, that line looks very, very clean um, and straight. But if you put it up underneath a microscope, it's extremely jagged. And yes. Um, and that's what I liken it to, um, the recovery process. To me, it is, um, you know, day to day, there's a lot of ups and downs. There's a lot of adjustment and variation and, and a lot of jaggedness. Uh, but if you step back from it, what you see is that we've been on a steady, progressive incline of improvement. And mm-hmm. at it from a wide view, um, we have for the past year and a half been progressively improving and getting better. So much so that like a full on exposure to gluten, which happened a few weeks ago, that would have early on, that would have basically taken us back to square one and undone everything mm-hmm. as it now it's it's knocked us back a little bit and and it's been some difficult and there's some recovery and we had to sort of pull back on some things we had had freedom on before you know food wise and things like that but it was not the destructive force it would have been right a year yeah. ago before it would actually and, eventually go most of the time if I got gluten I would lose my ability to walk I, that I never even got into that but the muscle spasms were one and then I would lose my motor ability like I would just my legs would just I'd be walking and then they would just give out mm. and then. I wouldn't be able to walk for a while. It was like, cause they were like jello. I had a friend, I have a friend, my friend, uh, Angela, she had that. And she, she told me it was because of the gluten that she had like a neurological connection to the gluten. It's like her legs would go numb and she would yeah. fall down and different body parts would go numb. And yeah, yeah. 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 Very much what would, it would do, go into my, if I got bad enough, it would go into my arms, um, my arms, but even now my arms will just feel like I have a heavy weight on them if I eat gluten or I don't eat gluten. If I get near gluten, I get that. Um, but yeah, it's, that's the, that's the auto, uh, the autoimmune response to the body, like for like celiacs, it's in, in the small intestine reacts that way. And and that's why I think, like, you'll find that, like, MS, that's my mom describes. But I, they don't, my doctor doesn't think that MS was where I was headed anyway. But um, he, her muscles just don't work. You know, he had, actually, our doctor had a patient that, how long did she, they, they said she had MS. She had, she had been diagnosed MS for a lot of years, like 10 years or more. And she couldn't walk at all. She was in a wheelchair. And he treated her like how he treats me. But main her main offender was gluten. And as yeah. soon as she went gluten after like 10 years of not being able to work or do anything. I think he, and I may not be the exact amount of time. He tells the story, I believe. Matter of fact, he has her come to that Weston A. Price podcast I was telling you about. Oh, really? He brought her to it. So I need to listen to it and remember what, how many years she was down, but he brought her because it's such a testimony and she out now has a normal life and a job and she's not in a wheelchair. And oh my turns gosh, out, turns out she actually didn't even have MS. Um, oh my gosh. 
that was just what her symptoms were, you know, multiple symptoms throughout her body. And once gluten was removed from her diet, she was fine. And I'm like, oh my gosh. Wow. Uh, it didn't work quite as cut and dry for me, but, um, I had, as he puts it, you're more complex. <laughs> so I'm like, take this compliment. I'm a complex individual. <laughs> well, I'm very inspired and in awe of you guys. It's, am- it's amazing. This is, this is fascinating. To me, it's amazing how much diet and stuff can affect, you know, all the stories I hear from everybody and emails I get about just stuff where, you know, they've been healed of just ridiculous diseases, um, or at least managed them to functionability. It's, I wouldn't have, I mean, we were all into health before, obviously, but we were vegetarian, vegan, I don't know how we were driven for our health, but maybe a little more idealism. Now we do what we do just so we can survive. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I've just been amazed at um, how much our diet, I just, I don't think I ever attributed it that much, even with all the health stuff we did before, yeah. how right. much what you eat can heal or kill you. And we're not talking about, you know, if you eat too much donuts, it's like, you know, you used to think junk food or health food, but even health food can right. kill you. Like, <laughs> right. There's like no, there's no black and white, right or wrong, even in the health food world, because there's health foods that are like terrible for me. And, you know, my cheat day, my cheat day is people like have their cheat days in paleo. I didn't even start paleo. I just ate the way my doctor told me I had to eat to live. It worked. And, and then someone said, Hey, you're like paleo. I'm like, what? (laughs) I've never officially put paleo on my blog, but most of my followers are paleo because that's how I eat and it's working for me. And, um, it's, yeah, I don't. I don't put that on mine either. Even though we more or less follow yeah, that. Your recipes are very much, you know. I, well, that's what I found your blog um, because in that time period, actually, because I was trying to find foods I could eat, and I was just, you know, I was too tired to come up with them all on my own at that point, and I was just like, I don't know what to eat, and that's uh-huh. actually how I found your blog. Really. Uh, yeah, I found it in that time period of searching out uh, different recipes, and oh. yours actually, and probably the Elena's pantry and yours were the first two that I uh, started at. So, oh, cool! I didn't, You're- I didn't, I thought that I thought that you found out about me when I found out about you. Like, I thought that I had, you know, introduced myself to you. No, and I didn't say anything at the time. I should have, but I went, hey, this funky coconut totally just posted my... <laughs> I tried to play a pool so you wouldn't think I was yeah. like a nerd. Yeah, I literally went to bed and you'll never know who believe. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> she totally nerded out. It's true. I totally nerded out. I'm like, oh, my gosh. Yeah, no, I never yeah. told you that. Yeah, I was all like, I'm going to play it cool. No, I'm I was in awe of you. <laughs> we, we play it cool, but no, you were very pivotal in us. Um, the whole process and then and then jenny thinking i should do a blog and i should try to I should a do lot this. of that she actually already had the blog um for she yoga had created it for and vegan yoga food. <laughs> uh right yoga and vegan oh. recipes and, and when it when this first happened she thought the bloggings that's never gonna happen you know that would just basically sort of put well, that I knew away I would lose all my vegan followers she didn't think she would be able to even manage any kind of creative output, but that quickly shifted gears and, and yeah. So yeah, definitely connecting with you is a big part of that. Oh, cool. That's so I cool. You were when you, when you connected with me on that, <laughs> I you, just didn't say anything. So, aw. well, I just, I don't, I don't like to label aside from, you know, I say gluten and casein at the top there. 
I don't like to put other labels on it because then you kind of get, and maybe you've had some experience, you get like the police on you, like the paleo police or the raw, like my, my first experience with it was the raw police because. Uh, Oh, I got, Oh, that was my, yeah, that was my kind of beginning into, into the diet. I started, you know, eight years ago, I started out doing raw and yeah. that was that was the thing that we really dove into at first for detoxing and cleansing and we were just you know got really into it and but i wasn't 100% raw and i would put these recipes on my blog that whether i knew it or not they weren't 100 100% raw and so right. i and i would get comments people really upset with me you know that uh-huh. like this co- this coconut milk is actually heated it's not <laughs> You know, you're not using real fresh, like, coconuts that you, you make your, you know, making your own coconut yeah, milk. Sure. So yeah, then, I just. have in your backyard. <laughs> so now, now everything is inspired. We're raw inspired. We're paleo inspired. Yeah. We had to, went through a lot of that. Well, I went through that with GAPS, too, because um, a lot of my followers were GAPS originally. And when I started to move away from GAPS specific, it, I had that trouble, too. Yeah. Um, there's an admirable discussion about chocolate and, uh, which is actually fine, but, um, yeah, it was, it was amazing. And I still, I get, I get lots of emails where I'm able to say, well, I'm not paleo blog. So yes. And I had to say it to one person who's really mad that I put bacon in a recipe and they said, well, that's not gaps friendly. And, um, so that's, you know, and I said, well, I'm not a gaps blog. And yes. she was like, Oh, I'm, I thought you were right. And I'm like, Oh, no. I just, and I, and I want to leave room for if someday I start eating soaked yes. grains, sprouted grains, I want to leave room for that because for me, I'm about nutrition and what we're finding is everybody's about these ideals and following some sort of rule. And that's how we used to be right. vegetarians, vegans. It gave us some sort of rule to follow, right. but now it's just about survival and realized, obviously if we went from not eating meat to eating meat, it was about surviving and and I'm I'm getting better, and I'm healing. My family's healing, and that doesn't make me anti-vegetarian. And can't we I, just all get along? Page on vegetarian <laughs> in my blog because a lot of my recipes are vegetarian. Because yeah. we should all eat vegetarian food. <laughs> yes, just, everyone eating. should eat vegetables. We're not eating all meat. It's just having yeah. meat. You know, realizing uh, animal fats and stuff like that that are doing my body good. I I recognize that if I can make that decision. At some point in my life, I might come to eating sprouted or soaked grains again. Right. And if that does my body good, I don't know that it ever will with my condition. But I just, I want to leave room for evolving to meet health needs, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. individual. That's kind of what we started to do and talk about with the blog, trying to really encourage people towards, it's not about a system. It's about finding out what works for you. And even beyond that, people are so afraid to eat anything, Mm -hmm. even if they're not having reactions because it goes out their rules and Mm -hmm. we're like you have to have fun you have to enjoy Mm -hmm. I just you have to have a part of your life where you celebrate and so Mm -hmm. for me celebrating it might be honey uh that doesn't seem like big celebration but that's a huge celebration for me yeah I'll have and I might have some chocolate that's cheating for me that's my cheat days and for other people cheat days (laughs) they actually go out and eat you know waffles and you know everything they're not supposed to eat because their body can handle it but right so I can't imagine being able to handle that. Ugh. I we we sometimes have these surreal moments where we'll walk past, we'll smell the smells of a restaurant. I can't eat in restaurants because of I cross react too much 
to pans and everything. So I, I can't eat out at all. Oh, we wow. haven't eaten like, well, there's one raw restaurant that we could go to, um, except most of their food has nightshades in it and I can't eat nightshades. So oh. I endure a lot of pain when I eat there, but it's technically not gluten. So it's a gluten-free raw restaurant. That's uh-huh. the only one we can do. And I don't go now because I just, the nightshades are too hard on my body, but, um, right. What was I saying? Uh, oh, we just, we had these surreal moments. We're like, we're never going to eat that again. Oh, like Korea <laughs> or just like, we'll see like a Jack in the box. commercial and be like, oh. We will never eat that food. That again. Wow. <laughs> my brain that's, around the fact that that will never touch my tongue again. That's so weird. And I for know. me, coffee, I mean, coffee's like my family, I, mean, I think you get, my family will just, I think they've kind of disowned me, like, internally. They're like, Jenny's no longer, not not the Hewlett side, Ben's side, but my side, the Weehoff's kind of like, she's no longer bloodline with us because she doesn't drink coffee. <laughs> they live in the, so coffee's like, you drink coffee. Yeah. Like, who, who cares if you can't walk? You drink it. That's, that's right. Their if you have a blizzard and your house is buried in snow, you don't need food, you don't need water, but you <laughs> If you don't have coffee, you're going to get out and trudge through the yeah. woods. Yeah, if, no. if it makes you have muscle spasms or not able to walk or whatever, it doesn't matter. Coffee is important. So I'm going to you know, drink coffee again. Oh, my goodness. Well, maybe someday I will when my gut heals. But uh, I, yes. could, I could see that happening. I could see someday, not the gluten, but, like, coffee. I could see that happening. Especially if my body balances out enough, um, it should be able to not get confused about coffee. So... <laughs> <laughs> these surreal moments where we're just like that will net some stuff that was a part of our life forever will never be a part again certain and gluten is a hard one sometimes you're just like wow especially when i was a baker you know making bread i'll never make doughy yeasty bread again i'll never make a you know it's yeah sometimes we have our moments sometimes i cry sometimes i'm like i just want to be normal right right I'm not sure what normal is, so. No, me neither. Someone emailed me on the blog who, like, can't eat anything, and I'm like, okay, never mind. I'm right. blessed. Any days, I can't eat nuts, I can't eat seeds, I can't eat dairy, I can't eat soy, I can't eat coconut. I'm like, what do you, how do you live? I so, know. I know. I meet people like that every day who have this list of, you know, a full page of things their body is reacting to. I'm like, how do you survive? I mean, they're reacting to zucchini and to apples. And I'm like, oh, I'm so sorry. Yes. I don't even. Yes. I, my problems are so small. My boys will go out and hang out with friends and their friends will ask them, you know, what they can or cannot eat. And at the end they go, how do you survive? <laughs> well, that happened to me. I had that experience in college. Um, a friend of ours in our, I was a photo major and this is before digital photography, so yeah. it may as well have been like a ceramics major for how it applies now. It doesn't cross over at all? Well, I mean, there's so, certain certain concepts, you know, like pers- perspective and composition and, and yeah, yeah. light. But as far as the technical aspect, I mean, we didn't yeah. – it was all film. Yeah. It was, it was- all negatives and the darkroom and – but, um, <laughs> but, but I had a friend in our, in our department and I think it was our senior year. She had been sick for a long time and we're actually Facebook friends now. Uh, she found us a couple years ago, but she found out she was celiac and this was when no one had heard of, heard of celiac, you know, no one knew what that was. Yeah. 
And she came in and she told us, like, I figured out what's wrong and I'm celiac. And she had to explain to us what it, what it was and what she couldn't have. And now, you know, now, now I know that I was celiac too, but, and, yeah. but she's like, you know, and so she says wheat, you know, there, I can't have wheat. And we're like, well, what, what? do you eat? What, what? <laughs> what can you eat? If you, you know, she's like bread and pasta. Like she's naming all the things that contain wheat. And we're just looking at her, like, amazed, totally amazed. (laughs) (laughs) As college kids that, like, live on Pop-Tarts and, you know. Literally, that's your whole diet. Yeah. Yeah. Pizza, ramen noodles and pizza. Oh. So. But she's really, she really uh, was lucky. Yeah. Discovered that long ago. Yeah. Very lucky. Very lucky. Oh. Because, yeah, there's still, I still have friends that, you know, doctors, average doctors aren't picking up on the celiacs. Yeah. And, it, and they clearly have celiacs. It's like, so they're just taking measures into their own hands. But uh, And you and, can be without symptoms, too. I have friends yeah. that were asymptomatic. That's a term Shirley taught me, asymptomatic. Huh? Um, <laughs> and, and then found out, you know, that they had, you know, and then, and then end up in the hospital getting, like, a foot of intestines removed. Right. Not knowing how they got there. Yeah. yeah. And like what just happened, you know? Yeah. It's so. amazing. Yeah. It's just ridiculous. But anyway, well, I should probably speaking of, I mean, oh, we talk about food a lot. I should probably go feed the yes. kids downstairs. It's getting to be time for them to eat, <laughs> but I feel like we have so much more to talk about. I would love to talk to you guys again. Yeah, we should, we could talk about more uh, stuff other than, yeah, our you know, story recipe, that yeah. takes so long. I'd love to talk yeah. about recipes and cooking and yeah. hear more about your life. So Absolutely. we'll have to do this another time. Okay. That Absolutely. sounds great. Thank you so much for having us on. Oh, yes. thank you so much. I'm I'm really happy that I connected with you guys and that we got to be friends. Yeah, Absolutely. me too. All right. Well, I'll I'll talk to you soon then. Okay. okay. All right. Bye, guys.